All right, so if you guys have your Bibles, please open them up. If you're not there already, we will be starting up in Romans chapter 13. We're going to start reading from Romans 13, verse 1. I'm calling this God Gives Authority. Romans 13, at verse 1, it says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, oh Lord, you are the ultimate authority. We all want to bow down to you now. Jesus, you are Lord. We want to submit ourselves to you and surrender to the working of your spirit in our lives. But also we need to understand that your word shows us that there are authorities, there are powers that exist that you set into place. And God, we know that we need to exercise our right to vote in this country, but whoever is the person that is in charge or people that are governing over us, Lord, we do ask that you give us the grace to understand these things, that especially you would empower us by your spirit that we can comply with your word. Help us, Lord. Open up our understanding, please, of your word today. And last but not least, Father, we do ask again that you show us, prove to us again that you are the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. So we ask, God, can you please empower us, have mercy upon us, comfort us, send the Comforter, the Spirit. We need your healing. We need you to please teach us your word. We need the empowering of your Spirit in our lives. For we ask, we beg, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. You guys could have a seat if you would, please. So in our world, it's been said that God has established authority in three key areas. Number one, authority in the family. Authority in the church. And also authority in the government. Not just this government in the United States of America but in governments. And these things are not only for our protection, but also how God provides for us. Think about this just on the practical level. You and I have seen craziness that has gone on, this supposed shutdown since March 2020. Any of you guys notice, like, the world has gotten so much more crazy, right? And America even, like, is celebrated in some states, burning Bibles publicly. You're like, what has happened? So mass chaos has gone gone out. And there's also these big movements, which are really satanic, let me just say, about defund the police. Not in my city, but defund the police in your city, <laughs> some might say. And those that want to get away, flat-out criminals or those that want to do mayhem, they're obviously pushing for these things. Now, I, I get it, some are bad. You can't just look at one police officer and therefore say all of them are bad, all of them are evil. No. Because you and I are going to study and see the one chapter of all chapters in the entire Bible where God himself declares that he has set up authorities. Think about it. Where would you and I be if in our city there was no NYPD? Not here. <laughs> you'd, you'd be wondering. It's like, honey, you got the gun? We're going home. 
We're like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to the market. Where are you going without that shotgun? <laughs> you got, don't you know? You're going outside. You're going to take your shotgun. I mean, it sounds crazy, but where would we be without this type of protection? So who has established these things? Is it the president? Is it a political thing with a Democratic Party, the independents, the Republicans? No, it's actually God's established authority. So these things are for your protection, and it's how God provides for us. They're so ingrained within your lifestyle that you don't even know it. There are many people that want to come to this country. Why? Because we have the freedom to just exist, not just to share your opinion, but to not be a target, not supposed to be at least, from our government. Whereas there's many that are fleeing their nations to come here because they've been perhaps abused by the system in their government. And you know, pray for our government too because things are getting kind of bad. But here in verse 1, I want you and I to see that Paul's going to make two key points that you and I must observe about authority. Point number one, and it says here, look at this again, verse 1. Point number one, there is no authority except from God. Again, there is no authority except from God. So God's people in the Bible knew this. Certainly Paul, he wrote this, right? Think about this. And I'm going to share a bunch of slides with you today. So you get not just Paul's opinion, not just my opinion, but hey, what about the biblical account, the biblical record? David in the Bible knew this. David knew that power and authority belongs to God. Here's what David wrote in Psalm 62, verse 11. He says, God has spoken once, twice I have heard this, the power belongs to who? To God. Now, King David even understood this, right? He was anointed and appointed not by the earth representative Samuel, but really by God through Samuel. So he understood it was God that gave him that power and authority. God wanted David to be humble with that, and we studied through that, didn't we, on Wednesdays. Oh, that knucklehead David. <laughs> he didn't just sin just with Bathsheba, and not just in counting and numbering the people. He did a lot of mayhem, right? And yet God saw him as justified in his sight. What a great example of justification by faith. So David knew that. Daniel also, I'm going to share with you on this slide. Daniel chapter 2 verse 21. Daniel knew that God is the one who gives authority. Here's what it says in Daniel chapter 2. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. So David knew this in the Old Testament. Daniel knew this as he writes in his book. So that's the first point. So what God is trying to tell us through Paul's pen is there is no authority except from God. Point two that we see right away in verse one that if we understand these points and now he's going to give us application of those in the following verses. Point two, authorities that exist are appointed by God. Isn't that exactly what it says? In my New King James Version English Bible, it says authorities that exist are appointed by God. So was that true at the time of Jesus? Yes, it was. You guys might remember. Here's the quote that John gave of Jesus himself. Jesus is speaking to Pilate. Here's what it says in John 19, verse 10 and 11. Then Pilate said to him, said to Jesus, 
Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you? He's like flexing his power, right? Power to crucify you and power to release you? Ah, verse 11. Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. So yes, certainly Jesus knew this. But at the time of Jesus, even, it's not just an Old Testament thing. The time of Jesus, Messiah, your Savior and Lord, he understood this. So we need to understand this doctrine. So this was also true in Paul's time, wasn't it? Hey, here in Calvary Chapel, we love studying this book we call the Holy Bible. And we need to know and study this text within its context. Amen? So if you study the context surrounding whereby which this person, Paul, who wrote this, who was the person in charge, the, the biggest person in charge in the world at that time? In Rome, we call this person what? Caesar. Here in the United States, we call the President of the United States. In Rome, it was Caesar. A- any guesses? Who was Caesar at the time Paul wrote this? Anybody remember? Nero. Caesar Nero. Paul understood this. So when you're studying God's word, it's great to study his word within its context. Study the text within the context. Paul was writing this chapter when Caesar Nero was in charge. And what do we know about Nero? There's a, a whole bunch of, let's say, there's things that we do know and things that are gray areas because the, suppose the historians wanted to go against him and put a lot of bad, perhaps false things against him. But Here's what we understand about Caesar Nero. Paul understood that God gave Nero authority. So when he's writing this, the cultural context, the backdrop behind whereby what he's writing Romans, he understood that the big power of that day and age around the world was Caesar Nero. Nero was known as a very evil, or especially saw, uh, seen as a cruel person. And he allegedly killed his mom and two of his wives. Think about that. It's like, Would you vote someone like that into power? But again, God gave Nero authority. So it's thought that Nero may have murdered his younger stepbrother. He wanted to secure his leadership and his power. And it's thought that he even murdered his own mom, Agrippina, perhaps because of the power struggles that they supposedly had. Like, what would you think about the President of the United States if the next supposed president of the United States that's running for you to vote for that person, like you know that they just killed their spouse and they, they're killing their brothers and sisters, like vote for me. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Yet God gave Nero this power and authority. Some of you guys might hear of this or know of this. Uh, supposedly July 19th, AD 64, a fire started close to the Circus Maximus. This fire spread, it destroyed most of Rome, and it became known as the Great Fire of Rome. Later on, historians actually blamed Caesar Nero for this Great Fire, saying that he watched Rome burn while playing on the lyre and singing. Uh, some of you guys might know about software. Anybody hear of, like, you can get this disc called, like, either CD or DVD, and you put it in your computer and you burn that CD. Who, who here has heard of that technology? It's like, nowadays kids are growing up, it's like, what are you talking about? Music, MP3s, what's a CD? You're so old. Like, 
That was not long ago. So there, there was a very popular CD burning, DVD-ROM burning app called Nero, named after this guy. Anybody hear of that? And it's called Nero Burning ROM. It's like a play on words. Why? Because in history, people think, <laughs> either because of the historical account, whether it's true or not, that, oh, Caesar Nero, many people look at him as he is the one that was burning Rome. And some say that Caesar Nero even blamed the Christians for this great fire that occurred in Rome. All right, so I want to just give you a little bit of the, the background, because when you're studying the text, you need to know the cultural context. You might read this in chapter 13, and you're like, what? What did this guy smoke when he's writing this? I mean, what? that's crazy that I should submit to authorities. No way. Well, the guy that was in authority when Paul wrote this was Caesar Nero. Whoever you think is evil today, you know, today in our day and age, in these last couple of weeks, you might look at, oh, Hamas and Israel. This guy, Nero, and what he and the world leaders that are actually accounted for in the Bible are probably worse, maybe, the speculation, than what we see today. Okay, today, because the internet, people can get away with stuff and even blame the other side and people believe like the fake news or the lies, whatever spun in the media. Who was it, Joseph Goebbels, Hitler's right-hand henchman? He studied in marketing in some schools where he says something like this. A lie perpetually repeated becomes a truth. That's what he studied in marketing. So Hitler understood how to use media to lie to the people. They did it with Hitler's Nazi Germany. And they got an entire nation to hate the Jews and other people. So today, in, in today's day and age, we've got to understand, all right, as bad as it is, it was also pretty bad at the time of Paul. And he's writing this. Again, verse 1, amidst this cruel reign of Caesar Nero, Paul writes again, Romans 13, verse 1, let's read this again, look at it again. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Again, there is no authority except from God. The second point he's making in verse 1, authorities that exist are appointed by God. So these principles... They apply not just at the time of David, not just at the time of Daniel, not just at the time of Jesus, not just at the time of Paul. Do these principles exist even for your time and mine today? Yes, they do exist. Think about this. And you might sit there and go, wait a second. Are you saying God put so-and-so in the White House? Yeah, I am saying that. Whether or not you voted for that person or the other person or someone else, ultimately, you do need to exercise your right to vote. You should. However, at the end or in conclusion, you and I have to understand that there are no authorities that exist except that which God gives. Whether it's to Pilate, as Jesus quoted, or to whoever's in the White House. Should you still vote? Yes. If you want to. I can't force you to. It's your right in this country. But to also conclude that, wow, God, as good or as bad as things are, <laughs> I just got to conclude this is something that you wanted. And I see the bigger picture where God has a study, especially those of us in Calvary Chapel, we love studying end times prophecy. Who loves studying end times prophecy? We also call it eschatology, the study of biblical end time events. And when you see it, that, well, we win in the end. 
It's not a Republican, Democrat, independent thing. Through Jesus Christ. We win with him in the end. Amen? Okay, so it doesn't matter. Everything's being played out just like God saw and declared to you in the Bible. So you and I need to remember, we should exercise our right to vote, but just understand the authority, the powers that be, whomever is in charge in our country, in our state, in our city, wherever you are, or those of you like watching and listening later on, wherever you are, it's God the one who is the one who puts the person or people in authority, in power. All right, so let's, let's break this down a little bit. Look at this in verse 1. I want to show you some of the words here and the way that they're written, the nuances in the original language. Where it says, be subject. Look at this. It says, be subject. And right away, your flesh, your pride is like, what are you talking about? My skin's like crawling right now. I need to be subject. Okay, here's what this word is. It's a compound word made up of two words in the original language. Very, very specific, very precise. The first word means under. Again, this is the, the original Greek word for be subject. First word means under. The second word means to put in order. Under to put in order. Literally saying, put yourself in order under governing authorities. Put yourself in order under governing authorities. So it's what our rebellious flesh and pride does not want to hear and not want to do. And if you were like me growing up where I hated authority because the authority structure that was messed up in my home I hated authority, whether it was with school, certainly the popos. Sorry, (laughs) as I was growing up. Not like that today. I see police officers, especially NYPD, I'll say hi to them. Uh, Thank you for your service. They come to the store, the place where I work, NYPD, FDNY. I'll actually tell them, thank you for your service. I'll tell someone, I'm praying for you. You know why? Kind of rare for them to hear that. Usually it's like, watch your back. You know, especially in this city, right? (laughs) Get in my car, you're going to shoot me in my car? I mean... (laughs) <laughs> they, people steal stuff and they, they, they get arrested, taken in, and then guess what? In our liberal city, let them go. Can you imagine what that does? What? So they need to know that they have your prayers. Okay. They understand that they're there. And they, they need to know, too, what we're learning here in the Word of God, that God puts them in power and authority. And maybe it'll be you that tells them that. So what this word be subject means is also to subordinate or to obey. And if you're like how I grew up, I, I'll just confess and tell you guys, because this is part of my testimony. I grew up in a fatherless house. I did not have that authority figure at home. I was growing up like a knucklehead kids, uh, kid uh, when I was a teenager. It was the first time in handcuffs and sitting in a police car. I think I was 13 at the time. And it was in the city of Cypress, California. I went into prison ministry later on. This is, I'm talking like years later, many moons <laughs> later. And I realized the city of Cypress did not have a juvenile facility. How do I know that? Because when they picked me up and I heard them discuss about where to take me, they took me to the police station. And I guess to scare me, they actually put me in a cell. Nowadays, it's like, you don't want to do that. And in a place like even in New York City, I got to know the system and where these facilities are located. By the way, there's like 50 facilities throughout many jurisdictions, throughout the five boroughs of New York City. I learned that and visited many of them when I was uh, overseeing the Bible distribution for American Bible Society. And there are juvenile facilities here. So uh, I praise the Lord that they didn't have a juvie facility 
when I was you know, taken into custody. Why? Because I would have been marked in the system and I now know what happens when kids get picked up and put in that type of system. They can get labeled. Okay? And then their, their future might be to graduate and go to adult jail and then adult prison. That actually happens quite a bit in our city. But I remember growing up like that and then being like, a, like cold water to wake you up. Whoa. <laughs> Waking up to the reality that, you know, I've got to stop being a knucklehead. Did that stop me? No. And so there, I understand, or at least can comprehend, that sometimes there's some guys, some gals, that, that may have grown up like me without the proper authority figures there. And then you grow up, you rebel against authority in school. You rebel against authority in church. You rebel against the, the authorities on the streets, the popos, government. That was me. And I look at it now, I remember who I was, past tense, but who I am now is so radically different than who I used to be. Anybody change and transform by the power of God like that? So you come under authority of God because he's the ultimate authority and you realize I read his book and he's commanding, demanding, expecting me to comply. So he says here as we open up verse 1, be subject. How do you know it's a command? I looked it up. In the original Greek language, it's a command. He's commanding. This is not if you feel like it, submit. If they're being nice to you, submit. Now, know the background behind where this guy Paul wrote this. Again, Caesar Nero was a Caesar in charge in the world. And he's saying this. And commanding, God's commanding and saying this in what's called middle voice even. It's a command and the middle voice means you do the action and you have to do that action to yourself. Oh, cute. <laughs> Let me get it. <laughs> That's cute. That's okay. So it's middle voice. Middle voice means, let's put it this way, within context. Although your pride and your flesh might rebel against it, middle voice means you have to force you to submit to the authorities. And how many of us know that's kind of the reality of, of what goes on, right? Okay, nobody knows. <laughs> that's reality, Okay. So be subject. It's a command, and he knows even as it's written, you have to force you to submit. Why? Because it doesn't come natural. It's only in the supernatural, empowered by the Spirit. Amen? Okay? So now I got your attention. Now God's got your attention. People are like, oh, great. I had to come today. Why can't I come next week? <laughs> All right. This is just, praise God, this is what we do, going through books of the Bible, looking at the text within the context. Hey, but if you get through last chapter, remember chapter 12, you're surrendering mind and body to the Lord, right? A living sacrifice and even your thought life. Don't be conformed to the world. Remember in the world how you were? I remember how I was. Quick, the popos! And we would run. And that's, that's how it was for me as a kid growing up. I wasn't grown, you know, growing up with like a Bible and a bottle in my hands. And I had to learn the hard way. Who here went through the school of hard knocks? Some of you guys did. <laughs> Most of us grew up that way. Who's still in that school of hard knocks? <laughs> Who graduated with a really good degree? Anyhow. So that's kind of how it is for many of us. So be subject is what he says. He's not giving you room if you feel like it, if you've got enough sleep, if you've got enough coffee. doesn't say that. And he says appointed. There is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are, it says, appointed. That word appointed means to put in order. God put this in order? I thought it was out of order. And if you listen to news, it could be even Fox News, who's gotten very political. Forgive me. 
they'll, they'll issue news, but much of it's like political. So I've got to turn that off and ask God to scrub my mind because it's getting me too negative. Anybody else like that? Right? It's not just the liberal left. It's happening now with conservative news. So I've got to understand, God, you put this in order. I'm not saying that we need to just go, oh, yes, keep doing mayhem. No, pray for those that are in authority is what we get to in the Bible. It's appointed by God. God himself is the one who had appointed this authority figure. Think about that. Now, what do I do with this doctrine? There's doctrine and then doing. Make sense? So when we understand what he's saying, now he's going to tell you to apply it. Look at verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will have a nice day. It doesn't say that, does it? will bring judgment on themselves. Good luck. You call yourself a Christian? You know, literally that term Christian means you're a follower of who? Of Christ Jesus. This is going to convict somebody here today. And I hope it does because this greatly convicts me. It's like, you mean God, what, the point you're making now after the two points in verse one, no authority exists except that which is from God. And it's God that puts these authorities in existence. Now the point is in verse two, if we oppose authority, who are you really fighting against? Look like we're too shy to say it. <laughs> Can we say that a little louder? If you oppose authority, who are you really fighting against? God. You've got to know that. Your spirit, if you're born again Christian, your spirit inside knows that. Your flesh wants to say, no way. I'm going to do it my way, like the song. And the Holy Spirit says, nah, no, no way. That's the way of Satan. Okay? Following self is following Satan. And opposing authority is to fight against God. Who here tried to fight against God? Come on, raise your hand high. Who here tried to fight against? Maybe you're still fighting against God. Who here has also learned that I lost that fight? <laughs> Those are the honest people. Right? <laughs> Who is still fighting? No, just kidding. <laughs> so that's life as a Christian. We have to submit and surrender to God not just for salvation, but we say for sanctification, your day-to-day living. This is what God wants. Once you're saved, now you need to grow. So as we study this, you need to know that also there is a time to rebel against authority. And now you and I are like, okay, tell me about that part. <laughs> That's a cup of cold water. It's like, ooh, okay. Here's the time. When to rebel is when an authority figure asks you to disobey God or disobey God's word. Church, ladies and gentlemen, Christians, lift up your sword. If anybody, it could be the President of the United States, anybody, uh, the governor of a state, it could be the mayor of a city, the president of the borough in New York City, if anybody tells you to rebel against God's word, you could sing a song that's going through my head. Hit the road jack (laughs) don't you come back no more so you do not need to obey authority if they tell you to disobey god or disobey god's word what does that thus and therefore conclude for you as a christian you need to know the book amen you need to know how do you know that you're getting taken advantage of if you don't know god's word and can i just say for us as christians and i'll use the pronoun we Pastors, teachers, us as Christians, as a community, as a family, globally, worldwide, in the church. We haven't done a good enough job, amen? 
Because there's people, my brothers and sisters, your brothers and sisters, that are born-again Christians alive right now that are getting taken advantage of because they just don't know the book. And because you and I may not know God's word, we end up living life still like in the world where we're falling to emotion, aren't we? And when a good speaker, someone efficient with their words comes and they maybe say something in a psychological manner that gets you all twisted up so you now make emotional decisions like you were before, it's easy for us to just get duped, isn't it? So what what it means is it behooves us that you and I must know and study God's word. But let's study it within context, amen? So you need to not oppose authority because if you do, you're fighting against God. But as we do this study, you need to know there is a time to rebel against authority. And when is that? When to rebel is when an authority figure asks you to disobey God or disobey God's word. Now, do we find that illustrated throughout the Bible? We do. Someone, you could just shout it out. What are some Bible figures? Yeah, that's a good one, right? In Daniel's book, someone give that guy a high five. That's good, right? It's like, oh, king, I ain't going to bow down to your golden statue. No way. Fooey on you, like little rascal style, right? No way. And that will come. That'll happen even in this country, in this state, in this city. What we're doing right now in this room will be declared illegal according to this book. What you and I do right now, gathering in the name of Jesus Christ, sharing God's word of truth, it will be declared illegal. How many of you guys know that? Amen? What you and I are doing right now. So what we need to know, if the you know things change radically like we saw in the last three years or so, it can keep downsliding more and more quickly. That if government now and others come and they say, okay, we're going to rip away your Bible, take them away. We're going to take out pastors and like Hitler did. And we're going to put our own pastors in the pulpit. They did that. That suit their own agenda. And did the government try to do some of this during the shutdown? Yes. That's why you even saw some Calvary Chapel pastors like, uh-uh. In some states, there's a, there's a guy. Pray for these guys. Um, oh, I forget the gentleman's name. Oh, Mike McClure in California. He was being sued for over $3 million. You know what was his evil crime? That during the Fauci shutdown... Of not forcing people to get the Fauci ouchie, so to speak. That because of that time, they said no and they kept their church open. And so the local government wanted to sue them and make them an example. And that was like the biggest in the nation. Got a lot of news. There's a lot of Calvary Chapel pastors that have to do. Also, Ken Graves up in Bangor, Maine. And there's a, there's a bunch of them that's happened to. Why? Because of our view of God's word and God himself. And when you look at this, there is a time to rebel against authority. Why and when? When they're telling you to disobey God and or to disobey God's word. That's when I would say, whether to my employer or anybody, it could be you, it could be my wife, it could be anybody else, no, thank you. I will obey God and God's word. Amen? You and I must stand for this. So if this is my last teaching, who knows what's going to happen. My last teaching, then you need to know this. Okay? When is the time to rebel? When an authority figure asks you to disobey God and disobey God's word. So yes, at the time of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, did they know that? Oh, actually, already spoke about that. Yes. Oh, I think I'm on the wrong slide here. 
aren't I? Oh, it may not be there. Oh, wait. Nah. Anyhow, <laughs> if you have it in your Bibles, you can go to this. Let me see where I'm at here. Forgive me, Hans. All right, let me just tell you. The time of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there's a guy named Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't have a slide on that, actually. But Nebuchadnezzar, I do have other slides that mention right here. Through the book of Jeremiah, God tells, through the prophet Jeremiah's writings, he tells you and I and others that Nebuchadnezzar, he was a king of what nation? Of Babylon. That he calls him, quote, my servant. You're like, what? He was one of the most evil rulers. And yes, he was the contemporary king in power at the time of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as Daniel writes about. But here's what it says in Jeremiah 25. Again, this is the time of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Know this, though. This is the power that God put into authority. He even calls them my servant. This is Jeremiah 25, verse 9, which I think you see here, yes, on the screen. Behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, says the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land, against its inhabitants, and against these nations all around, and will utterly destroy them, and make them an astonishment, a hissing, and perpetual desolations. Again, Nebuchadnezzar, God says, he's my servant. And when you understand who he was, he was a very evil, very cruel king. In Jeremiah 27, verse 6, again, it says, And now I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. Continuing on, again in Jeremiah 43, in verse 10, it says, and say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will send and bring Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. The point is, God puts people into power and authority. Even Nebuchadnezzar, this was the only time in world history when there was really one person above all the world. Uh, Hitler wanted to be that. Didn't happen. The Caesars in Rome wanted to be that. Uh, the British kingdoms, they wanted to kind of colonialize the whole world. They, I'm sure they wanted to esteem to that. Japan even wanted to do that. But only the time of Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon was there one person really in charge of or the main power in the entire world. This was King Nebuchadnezzar. Very evil, very cruel person. And remember, Jeremiah wrote a book, the one that occurs in the Bible right after Jeremiah. What do we call that book? Lamentations. And what was that? That was a, a bemoaning, a, a wailing, over, a lament over the city of Jerusalem for the destruction of Jerusalem and what else got destroyed by Babylon? The temple. The temple got destroyed. And then Jeremiah wrote that book, Lamentations. You mean, God, you put this person in charge? You say that he's your servant that will execute all your will? Exactly. Think about that. Now, he's not doing it for righteousness, but God will utilize him for the overall accomplishment of God's will. Amen? So whatever's going on in your life, whoever's in power and authority in this country, uh, or even in you know the church God gives authority to, or in families, just understand, this is something that God instituted in authority. So yet, in the lives of people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Nebuchadnezzar gave an order to bow down to a golden statue. And what did they do? 
Well, it says in Romans 13, I should comply. No. Again, the principle is when an authority figure wants you to disobey God and or disobey God's word, that's when you rebel. And guess what? God will take care of you. He'll take care of you. God protected them. Let's continue on, and we're going to have to close in just a moment. Verse 3, and by the way, I want to prepare you that if anybody here wants prayer, thanks, Jose. That's getting a little warm. If anybody wants prayer, I want to prep you right now that we can have a time to pray for each other. Maybe over these scriptures, maybe something else. But I'm sure a bunch of you want to receive prayer. And we can, again, we won't go to church. We want to be the church to pray for each other. Amen? All right. Let's continue on. Verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. You know, I found this principle from this verse 3 to be true. I didn't even know this, this verse. I didn't read it. But as God started changing me from a knucklehead kid to transform me into a Christ follower, I found that I wanted to be friends with police officers. I'm like, that is so strange. <laughs> Only because of Jesus Christ. He just does these things in our lives. Uh, verse 4, For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to, I like that, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Now, you guys know the movies that are out now. Guess who is the ultimate avenger? It's not by the comic world, is it? The ultimate avenger that will take revenge is God. Will you allow him to avenge you over what's right and wrong? He's the one that writes these things in the word, and he's going to uphold these principles, amen? of righteousness, of godliness, and of sin. So think about this. Whether it's a police officer or the military, the ones that God has given the sword. Today it's, it's maybe the rifle or the, the pistol. But this is God's minister. Think about that. So should we pray for people that are in the military? Should we pray for police officers? Yes, we should. Notice what it says. He is God's minister to you for good. Think about that. Now, not every one of them is going to do good. Pray for them first that they get saved. That if they're not saved. And that God would take them and transform them just like how he's done with us from the inside out. So they could stand for righteousness and not try to twist the law in their favor. Okay? This is God's minister to you for good. Verse 5, Therefore you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience's sake. How many of you, when you got saved, God started tweaking you from the inside with your heart and mind and for your conscience, like, okay, I just, I just got to do right. I can't steal anymore. I can't lie anymore. But for conscience's sake, he's having you be brought into alignment with the Bible. Who here is, has he done that with? Raise your hand up high. Okay? Be bold about it. He does that. That's also perhaps a proof when someone's saved. Because when he gets on the inside and changes and transforms you from the inside, the outside, the thoughts and the actions will be changed. But if nothing's changed in the thoughts, the words, the actions on the outside, you better bet and maybe believe nothing changed on the inside. Make sense? Jesus said that the mouth speaks out of what? The abundance of the heart. So when you see and hear someone's words and their actions, now I know your walk. 
Now I know what your thoughts are on the inside because that typically, whatever is great, you know, in abundance in your thoughts and you're telling yourself on the inside, it does what? It leaks out, right? Anybody know that? The mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart. So that's a great way. That's a principle that's found in the Bible. That's a great way you can tell what's going on because you can't tell what's going on in someone's heart. I can judge it by the actions, by the words, right? I used to be a potty mouth person, call myself a Christian. Smoking pot, hanging out, doing a bunch of dumb stuff with any of you guys. And then Jesus changes you, right? And now if I hear someone else with potty mouth, like especially the GD word, you're not asking for God to bless, you're asking God to do something else. You're like, oh! Kind of, anybody like that, right? You hear that, it's like, oh! You hear it in songs, like, oh! Well, that could be because God's changed you and transformed you. You don't want to be part of that anymore. So, the officers, be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience's sake. The officers, right? Amen? So, they are duly appointed by God. We must submit to them, be subject to them. Not just because of wrath, not just because they carry a pistol, also for conscience's sake. Think about that. You've got to go run and hide. Because no matter where you run and hide, like Jonah tried, can you run away from God? No, you can't. You can't outrun God. Let's continue on. Verse 6. For because of this, you also pay taxes. Uh-oh. Okay. I expect to see you all here next Sunday. You're like, you're talking about taxes? What? Anything but taxes. <laughs> this is what it says. For because of this, you also pay taxes. When you do, how does it pay for the fire department, the police department, other city, the water, the trash pickup? Think about this. It's by paying your taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Okay, uh, let me say at this juncture, I didn't write this. Okay, don't be hating on me. He's talking about taxes. I'm not coming back to that church. I didn't write it. <laughs> I remember the first time I read that, it's like, oh, man. <laughs> That's what he says. Praise God. God help us to comply. Verse 7, render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So the police, the military, governing authorities, like the government. Again, as I opened up, God has instituted three main areas of authority in life, in this world. There's authority in the family. And we must comply, or else, good luck, you're going to fight against God. And the, the core of that family is what? Marriage. One man, one woman. You cannot mess with God's picture. Don't, don't mess with with God's wedding picture. That's it. He knows no other picture. So the family. He's also instituted authority within the church. He's the one that did it. And he's the one that upholds it. He's also instituted authority within the government. Okay, which includes the military. There's the military moms here. And officers. Okay, Th These are things that are instituted within our society is it just because the way that we vote? No, this is how it is in the world, in our society we live in. And it's done by God. Uh, as we close here, I do want to say and leave it here. And we'll have a time to pray. Can we get set up for a time of worship? We're going to close with a, a closing song. And maybe you want prayer. Maybe you want to pray for others. But do you know when it comes to authority that God has also given you and I as Christians authority? If you 
want to know where this is in the Bible, Matthew 28. This is also called the Great Commission. And it says in Matthew 28, verse 18, all authority, this is Jesus, all authority has been given me in heaven and on earth. And what does he do with this authority? He now authorizes you. Born again Christians. Not just people that say, oh, I know Jesus Christ. Do you? You have salvation through Jesus Christ? Are you a sinner who confesses your sins? And the fact that you believe and receive Jesus Christ as the one that died on the cross for all your sins and in receiving and believing him as your Messiah, your Savior, did you repent from your sins? Or are you still like messing up with stuff in the world like how I was? Repent then and come back to the Lord through Jesus Christ. Amen? And as you turn from your sins and that old way of life, he wants to give you a new life. And you're going to turn away from that old life and you're going to turn to follow someone or something. So Jesus says what? Follow me. He wants you to be a follower. That's what it is to be a Christian. He wants you to be his follower. And in following him, this is after his death for your sins, after his resurrection, before he ascended up into heaven. This is the very end of Matthew's book. He's giving you the one biggest command. And what is this? Jesus says in verse 19, Go therefore, I color-coded it here, make disciples. The Great Commission is to make disciples. The Great Commission is not church planting. The Great Commission is not world evangelism. The Great Commission is not anything else but making disciples, making followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's why we exist. This is his mission for the church. You cannot change this. Some, some people, some churches, some denominations try to change it. The Great Commission is not go, like missions. I remember reading this, being part of a missions organization. Anybody that's action-oriented, who, who are you? Who's action-oriented? You hear go, you go. It's like, and as you go, it's like, what do we do? I don't just go. And you get there, it's like, I barely know Jesus. What am I supposed to do? I don't know, just go. And then missionaries come back. It's like, I don't know. Some of them get sent back. Why? Because I remember one person saying, because they were never taught to die, die to self. And so they go on the field, they're squabbling. That's one of the reasons why I came, because there's a, a person that was put over uh, the respite center, the relief center in 9-11 at Ground Zero. And they got sent here, and they were squabbling, fighting with each other, fighting with leadership. One of the pastors like, you've got to take this person home. So my pastor sent me out here to take over that ministry site. That was one of the main things. Another thing was to pray for where to land for a church plant. And that's what God has done here. So Christians are to make disciples. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. The command is not to go. The command in the original language is make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Here's how you make disciples too. Verse 20, this is what we do within this church and Calvary Chapels at large. Teaching them, so you must teach the Bible, amen? Teaching them to observe, he says. So we're teaching you for application of the Bible, amen? To apply, to observe. Teaching them to observe, and he says, all things. Guess what I got to do? I must teach, as Paul writes, all scripture. What's lacking in the church today at large. But what God actually commanded. This is how you make disciples. No wonder why there's Christians, call themselves Christians, but they're not following Christ. Following, I don't know, Buddha, society. Following all kinds of things, but not following Christ. Why? Because our churches, we need to be teaching all scripture. And we need to be teaching scripture that they would comply, obey God's word, even as he says here, the authority, which ultimately is God and from God. Amen? He says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. 
So if you want to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple, that's that word disciple, and you want to make disciples, you must know that Jesus is with you. Amen? He even says that here. He's going to be with you. So as we close, we're going to close with a word of prayer to close out this time. Okay? And then we're going to do, we're going to have a time also to, uh, to worship the Lord more. And if you want prayer, I'm simply going to ask you to stand where you are and then we can pray for you. So again, we're not going to church. That's a bad terminology, bad doctrine. You're being the church, okay? Because when we say to people in society, I'm going to church, people think that building. Well, Jesus did not die for the place. He died for the people, amen? That's you, that's me. So the church is you and I, born again, spirit-filled Christians, no matter how, wherever you tend to be. Today we happen to be here. And you came to assemble as a church of God, out of house and home, in a public setting here, under the name, the banner of Jesus Messiah, your Savior, your Lord. And Jesus Christ wants to do healing. Isaiah 61, verse 1, prophesied that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. And some of you may need prayer for that. Some of you may need prayer for perhaps the things that we read here. Will you allow Jesus to do that healing, cleansing, supernatural work? Is still Jesus Christ doing the work. I think today what he's wanting to do is through you, the body of Christ. So we could pray for one another. There are folks that are here that could pray in Espanol, también, okay, if you want prayer in Spanish too. But if you want prayer, we want to simply love you, pray for you, encourage you. Amen? Father in heaven, we thank you for your holy word. We know that you are the ultimate authority and you tell us these things in your word. But we ask God for the empowerment of your spirit that we can obey, that we can comply with what you're commanding us to do. We thank you, Lord, that you've instituted these things, authority within the family, authority within the church, and authority within government. But we ask for your power, your equipping, your enabling to be able to obey, Lord with these things. Ultimately, we know that if we do, we're obeying you. But give us also wisdom to know if and when someone is telling us to disobey you or to disobey your word. Because we want to remain followers of you, not following a system. We want to follow you. But Father, please empower us. And God, during this time, we ask again, Father, that you would prove yet again that you are the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. We ask for your comforting, your healing, your cleansing work. Please do that, Lord. Restore us. Rejuvenate us. Help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.